Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. McDonald. And I'm Ellie Gibson. Welcome back to Extra Life, a podcast that Ellie thinks should have been called something different in the first place. Yeah, can we talk about actually, because we're a few episodes in now, and I think it's time for a rebrand. And um, I think we should go back to one of the original suggestions, which was up your game. I, ju- I don't know what it means. What does it mean? Well, up, up your game is like a phrase, isn't it? Up your game. Okay. And up your games is like you're going up. It's like when you go up the school or you go up London. We're going up your games. Okay. So let's call it that. <laughs> That's. I think it's the Scottishness that's that's holding me up on this because to me that's just a series of nonsense words. So so it's most things. Well, what you do know. you think? Let's let's ask our guest for an opinion on this. Hello, <laughs> let's let's Doctor, get him to decide. Doctor Adam Rutherford, <laughs> how, how are you doing? Um, I, I, up your games doesn't doesn't quite work for me, but for for reasons that you gave, Keza. Right, Doctor of what? That's what I'd like to know. <laughs> <laughs> not language, not linguistics. Clearly, you could introduce yourself, Doctor Adam Rutherford. What, what mm. are you a doctor of? He's Everybody already, he's already lost half the room. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I'm a doctor of genetics, which oh. it d- doesn't qualify me to, to to comment on branding exercises for games-based podcasts. Admittedly, <laughs> I dabble with a little bit of writing, though words, you know. What the letter X and the letter Y? Isn't that is that genes? That is genes. Yeah, exactly. Right? No, that's that's chromosomes. Are they different? Genes are on chromosomes. I mean, I could, do, I, I could do a full tutorial if you want, but I don't think that's what we're here for. So let's just press on. Let's get on to the games. Get on to if the I games. were a doctor, I would just lie to everybody about what I was a doctor of. Depending on the situation, I'd just say I'm a doctor of whatever it suited me to be a doctor of at that moment. <laughs> the risk is, though, that you're on a plane and it says Dr. McDonald on your passport and the steward comes up and says there's someone having a heart attack. And, and in my position, I'm like... Well, I could probably sequence a bit of their genome if you think that's going to help. Yeah, I can't tell you if they're a boy or a girl because I don't do chromosomes; I just do genes. <laughs> anyway, video games, yeah, yeah, okay, um, are a thing that we usually talk about on this podcast, although apparently not today. Um, it's it's getting less; the percentage is going down. I feel like Adam, with every tell us, episode. What is the most recent video game that you've played? 
Uh, uh, this morning we were playing Sniper Elite 4, which is okay. I mean, you get to shoot Nazis in the head and then it goes into slow motion. And, and in the bollocks. Uh, yes, yes. In mm. fact, a bollocks shot is, <laughs> what does it say? It comes up, it says, testes shot. And the first time I saw that, <laughs> I, was, I thought, that, yeah, that is that is quite good. Do you get extra points for getting the testes or the head? No, you just feel really good about shooting Nazis <laughs> in the balls. No that's, more that's teabagging the... for you, Fritz. <laughs> <laughs> One of the problems with it is that we've just come off the back of playing. So when I say we, I'm talking about me and my son who play to, we play most games together. Um, we've just been playing Assassin's Creed, uh, the Greek one, Odyssey. And you can't do all of the climbing in Sniper Elite that you can do when you're Alexios. And I was just sitting there trying to, you know, I'm constantly trying to scrabble up walls or cliff faces that you can't go up. And so therefore I found it enormously frustrating and I then went like- to shoot, shoot some Nazis in the balls. I feel like that would probably overpower a sniper if they could also scale any building or sheer cliff face with, with the aid of nothing but the A button. I want that. I want that in a game. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, basically, we're just waiting for Sunday, which is my, my boy's birthday, and he's getting Miles Morales Spider-Man. Every time I think I got this Spider-Man thing figured out, something goes wrong. Miles, our family doesn't give up. So that's my next month booked. You can fix this. Your way. I reckon that that Spider-Man game on the PlayStation 4 is the greatest superhero game that's ever been made. The I thing think is, that I might be true. Um, Batman Arkham Asylum would be the would be the competition, really, wouldn't it? Marvel versus Capcom. That was a oh, joke. also very good. Lots of punching each other in the face in any superhero. There was there was the terrible Superman game where you had to fly through hoops. Now, what was that on? Was that PS- Superman 64? Yes. It was so bad. So I'm I'm downloading Mars Morales game at the moment. So it should be done in about three or four weeks. Um, <laughs> what have I got to look forward to, Keza? Why is it the best superhero game of all time? I think it's the feeling of swinging around Harlem in its Manhattan. Like it's it's just really really fun. It's really beautiful to move around in. Like my problem with superhero games is always that I fundamentally find like the combat, the punching stuff, quite boring and repetitive. But in Spider Man, all the rest of it's so good. Like the movement's so good, the story's so interesting, it's so well written and fun that I can kind of get over the fact that there's an awful lot. Of of just kind of quite repetitive punching to do. The thing is, if you're like a nine-year-old boy, then all of the repetitive punching is the entire point. I've realised this now. Mm. Well, yeah, mother of that... a nine-year-old son. Yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> I think that, that's exactly my feeling as well. To, to the extent that when I play with my boy, Jake, when I say play, I'm actually mostly watching him play because the story to Spider-Man, the, the PS4 version, it's definitely better than at least three of the Spider-Man films. I mean, they really get the character because he's, he's, he's Peter Parker. So I was thinking, what if we teamed up? You want to be my sidekick? Like a spider girl? Spider woman? No. Woman. No, not a sidekick. A partner. Oh. Hey, it's your crime system thingy. Looks like a residential break-in. And Peter Parker, you know, has particular resonance if you're a 16-year-old boy, or Jake's a 13-year-old boy, or if you're a (laughs) 16-year-old boy trapped inside the body of a 45-year-old man. So I found myself doing all the side missions rather than the main story because basically you're just swinging around. Manhattan just having a really nice time taking selfies and you get to figure you get to learn more about Peter and in the Miles Morales expansion more about Miles as well through the side missions than you do through the actual game <laughs> Ellie's I mean, lost the will Ellie's to live really, she's really she's, she's fed up with this I don't even like superheroes and I like this shit it's great it's the soap opera element of it that I can't really get involved in. I just end up feeling like I'm watching a very violent episode of El Dorado I just find it really struggle to care I, can't, I don't get into I've never gotten into the films apart from Spider-Verse never got into the Marvel films do you know what have you played has anyone played the new Marvel Avengers game yes what do you think of it it's bad it's bad isn't it it's <laughs> yeah. not good 
it's bad. I can't. I couldn't work out what was wrong with it. And we've we've basically given up. It's got this real issue with save points. Basically, I'm trapped on a roof with a bunch of rats, and every time I respawn, I'm dead. I mean, instantaneously. And you just sort of roll your eyes at this. Um, it, it looks nice. It's just it. It, it doesn't work. I think they have tried to combine too many things into one game. All the faces are wrong as well. Like they didn't actually license the image of any of the. Avengers yeah. home oh, no. so it's just they've just like random like face oh, is it, is it like Avengers? the old pro is it like Tottenham Hotspurs Bottenham Hotspurs and all of that <laughs> of superheroes that's amazing so here's the thing I sometimes I don't think you know I'm playing a rubbish game like Marvel Avengers and I think god if someone had shown me this though when I was 13 it would have absolutely blown my mind do you what were you playing when you were 13 uh 13 so I would have been still on the Acorn Electron 32k <gasps> And so that would have been, I mean, I'm just going to say a bunch of names and I'm, I don't think you'll recognise most of them. My favourite... Oh, you underestimate Ellie's knowledge of this. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. So Me, fair there's... enough. I will have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. There's so... one thing I know, it's old shit game. I may not be a so-called geneticist, <laughs> but I have my talents. So I used to love Strikers Run, Hobgoblin, which I think was, I think that was just a rip off of the Spectrum version of whatever the Spectrum version was called. Um, karate Combat, I was particularly good at Karate Combat. Oh, now, <laughs> Do you remember that? I, I read some notes about you, Adam, and it listed Karate Combat. Um, I looked it up on the internet and I found a hidden treasure, Keza. <laughs> Um, I found the most British video game video on the internet. I don't, I don't know if you've seen it. It's by a man called Steve Benway. I'd never heard of it, but anyway, he made this video in 2009 and it's just him playing Karate Combat for three and a half minutes. It's a, it's not, it barely qualifies as a let's play. It's just a let's. He's not pretending it's a let's play. No, So he starts so the video and then within 10 seconds, he's apologising because he's eating a humbug. This is Karate Combat on the Acorn Electron. Um... Excuse me, I'm eating a sweet. It's a minty humbug thing. He doesn't take the humbug out. He doesn't restart the video. It's brilliant. He's my hero. I will be crap at this because I'll be playing with the keyboard. And I haven't played it in 20-something years. And you just think, Steve, why are you bothering? <laughs> you don't have to do this, Steve. I haven't got a clue what the... Uh... Mm. I'm guessing on the yellow guy. Oh, God. He's so world-weary. He's like he's like every mechanic you've ever met. He's like, well, the control. I mean, it, the controls are logical, but they don't, they, you know, really work. <laughs> he's my hero, honestly. He's everything I aspire to do in terms of games. He's just honest. Content just, creation yeah, hero. He's brilliant. Smack him. Oh, don't have a nap. What was it about Karate Combat that you liked when you were younger? It was the most advanced fighting game available on the, on the Acorn Electron 32K. I mean, wow. I, I, from memory, it was a bit rubbish, but there was a sweet move. I don't know why I remember this. This is like, this is like proper Proustian Madelines here. I don't think I've even <laughs> thought about sweep the leg for 30 years now. But getting the sweep in was really effective. In your, yeah. head, in your head, it was basically a film, wasn't it? It was like... Well, see, that's an is... interesting thing that, that about video games is that the best games that you play when you're a kid are still the best games when you're an adult, even though Spider-Man on the PS4 is quite clearly way, way superior in every conceivable way. You're sitting there going, this Marvel's Avengers game is rubbish. Spotted some drones heading for the command deck. Meanwhile, you spent literally all of your 14th year of life on karate combat. 
Actually, it's... Uh, no. It's rubbish. <laughs> Isn't that strange, though, that just those formative years are so significant and I will talk with such glee about a game that when you look at it and just go, yeah, that was a bit shit, really, wasn't it? But it's the same with everything, though, isn't it? It's the same with the books that you read at that age or the music, particularly. the mu- like, There are some people that never listen to any other music than the music they listened to when they were teenagers. Listen, yeah. steps will never age. I know that was a dig. I know that was a dig. <laughs> some exactly who that people. was aimed at. Yeah. But it works the same way with games, I think. like The stuff that you play at a formative age, it does stay with you to the extent that like, even when you're presented with stuff that is, like you say, objectively way better, it still doesn't make the same impression always. When I started getting into first-person shooters with doom and then quake and quake 2 so that must have been mid to late 90s and then looking back and x-wing versus tie fighter as well that was that was another really like like um significant one for me so me and jake also play battlefront 2 that's the star wars first person shooter isn't it exactly yeah and there is a competitive mode where you can fly in an x-wing or in the millennium falcon when we started playing i was like this is great and then i said come and have a look at this look this this is a game i used to play and it was x-wing versus tie fighter on a pc and jake was just like that's like a baby's toy what even (laughs) is is that (laughs) yeah and i was like it's it's but it's no it's you're right it's actually really quite bad and yet that occupied at least one qualification during my degree Video games are unique in that they were limited by tech, right? Like books were never limited by the paper being unreadable or (laughs) films to an extent. You had obviously an evolution of the technology, but not to the same extent of games. I think that's one of the things that makes it quite hard to talk about games in the same way as we sometimes do about music that's 200 years Mm. old or whatever, because you try and explain what's great about a game from 1989. It's really hard to do now, isn't it? Like a lot of the games I grew up with, like early 3D games on the N64 and original PlayStation, objectively, the camera's shit. They're almost impossible to control. Like you had to get through all of that before you could enjoy the stuff that was good about them. Like Mario, there's no barrier, left, right, jump, sorted. There are some games that were some games you just miss out on and it's and, and you, you never played them or or you just didn't, didn't get. But they become sort of really important for nostalgia or for, you know, significant moments in game development. Goldeneye is one of those for me. I just, yeah. I just Oh, me too, me too. I just never got it. All right. I'd never, everyone right. used to bang on about how astonishing it was. And, and you'll probably get death threats. I just couldn't get my head around it. I was, at the time when we had the N64, that was, I was much more into Donkey Kong Country, which I thought the gameplay was, was amazing. That's a spectacular game. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. I really used oh, to. Oh, I love I, it. I feel like this is confession time now. I feel like everyone's got a game that everyone else gets that you just don't get. And maybe you're slightly ashamed of it. You've shared Goldeneye, fair enough. Mine is Metal Gear Solid. I do not get it. No, Every I, time I TV why. star O'Brien tells one of his hilarious jokes about it, I have to pretend and laugh because he gets very upset if you don't laugh. But I have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. I, I, so for fighting games, I was always, and I, I'm not sure the reason for this, but maybe it's derived from Karate Combat or maybe it's because I used to play it on the Felix Star arcades, but I never really got Street Fighter or Tekken, but absolutely love Mortal Kombat and will play Mortal Kombat there. The current editions. They got a bit silly after about Mortal Kombat. Was there a six? When they tried to make it 3D for the first time, it was rubbish. <laughs> what, what was it about Mortal Kombat that you liked? Well, I think it was that the graphics appealed in that they were digitised real people. What was his name? Johnny Cage and his ball punch. I used to really particularly enjoy that. And then as a big <laughs> fan of horror films... It was the fatalities, which were great and the remain. Ripping out of hearts and spines, the beheadings. <laughs> And they introduced the Babalities. But... Well, I don't remember. What's Babalities? I've not really played it. I've, I've bleached this from my mind. Please fill us in, Ed. I'm sure you'd love to explain to us Please in tell detail. me it's something to do with mini baby bells. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> no, it's even better than that. Basically, as a final move, instead of decapitating or removing their spine or setting them on fire, 
you just turn them into a baby version of themselves. So you'd then be faced with, you know, Melina as a baby. You are nothing! You um, don't have to kill the baby, do you? That seems no, no, the strange. baby just sits there and it goes, Babality. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember this, the original Star Wars arcade game? Probably not because you might not have been born, but the one in the arcades <laughs> where it was, it was vector line graphics and you used to play it in the Felix Stowe arcades on the pier. You're flying in, in an X-Wing, you actually do the trench run and have to destroy, you know, you fire the proton torpedoes and you have to destroy the uh, the Death Star. It was a great game, and, and it also had clips from the film, so you'd have Obi-Wan saying, Use the Force, Luke. You know, it's ticking a lot of boxes for aged 13-year-old me. Press 5 and pull in. Use the Force, Luke. So, years and years later, when I was doing my PhD, I was working at Great Ormond Street Hospital. We oh, here we this... go again. Yeah, yeah, I'm a doctor, whatever. <laughs> Doing my fake doctor PhD, yeah. And we got a brand new computer for the office, which was for the PhD students. And it was, the, you know, it was a big deal. It was a 486X, which demonstrates how long ago this was. And it had a big screen, which was probably about 16 inches. Um, and the day we got it, everyone was super excited. It was there for doing really complex statistical analysis of genomes on it. Because we often would work until midnight. That evening, I downloaded an emulator for the original Star Wars game, right? The arcade of game. Of course. Right. And I was super excited about this. But it didn't have any brakes on it. So basically, downloaded it, pressed play for the first time. It ran through the whole game in the space of about six seconds. So you couldn't actually use the controls whatsoever. And then stopped and, and then just rebooted it again. And there was no <laughs> break, right? There was no stop. There was no... Every time I escaped, it relaunched. The, the whole game. No you know, control, alt, delete would save you now. No, there, no, and there was a point where it was funny, and then there was a point where, how do we do this? And then there was a point where, oh shit, I've, I've basically taken this, you know, £3,000 worth of publicly funded computing <laughs> for curing diseases and stuff, and I've turned it into an unplayable <laughs> Star Wars emulator. And we had to get a guy in from another lab who rebooted the whole operating system from floppy disks. Uh, <laughs> I had proper sweats that evening, just staring at it, going, "Oh God, I'm in, I'm in so much trouble." Night. I'm searching. How can I say? I'm I'm really glad you're not in charge of the Corona vaccine. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, hello, Mister Fitzer. Um, yeah, we're just having a bit of a a bit of an issue with the final <laughs> stages here. Use However, the force, if you Luke. do want to pop round and play Assassin's Creed Valhalla, um, yeah, we're having a lovely time. Except it's at ten times speed, and we can't make it stop. son now you're kind of gateway to gaming completely and in fact he's now inherited my last laptop which is now just exclusively for minecraft java our next step in this direction is that we're going to build our own gaming pc right so which about which i've got no idea right oh brilliant but, but i've just oh agreed God. that if he saves up an equivalent amount of money I'll, i will meet him halfway and for chris between now and christmas that's going to be our big project it was mostly inspired by that video of henry cavill doing it have you seen that one right. he did this little like 10 minute video of him putting together a, his own pc and 
is and it's done with the Superman music and his arms and I I showed it to my wife who has no interest in video games whatsoever she watched it for 10 minutes and then I found her watching it again later it was really a woman wrote to me just the other day on Instagram to say exactly that she was talking about um the Witcher TV show and stuff and then she was like I, was, I can't get enough Henry Cavill and I was like well just watch The Witcher again she's like oh no there's this video of him building a PC I've watched it four times uh, <laughs> to, see to me that's insane that's like saying I'm going to build a car or a house people like, do what, that what Ellie. are you talking about like people do build cars and houses yeah, pe- yeah but people who, for whom that's their life's work but you I can, am daunted by you this. can buy cars and houses and PCs, you know. And I am daunted, really, I really daunted by it. I mean, so I just didn't have any idea that there were that many components in the world. Yeah. So I don't really know what I'm doing, but I figured um, we'll work it out. Well, the first thing you need to do is just make sure your arms look like Henry's. Just do some like <laughs> yeah. really good curls for a while. What's the worst that can happen apart from you lose a load of money and there's a very dangerous electrical fire? What's the worst that can happen? Um, what are your dreams? Dream, believe, achieve. I think it's time for a hot potato. Oh, good. I heard you've done an actual study into video games, like actual science, in your role as so-called doctor. So (laughs) finally, perhaps now, you can settle the question once and for all. A question that I'm actually asked at the school gates about once a day at the Mm -hmm. moment. Yes. Do video games make kids violent and or stupid? It's a yes or no answer, Adam. Come on. (laughs) It was an interesting saga because the answer that came out of what we think is a really comprehensive, well-designed study, and there are a lot... One of the reasons why we did this is because there are a lot of bad studies out there. We wanted to actually answer the question because this was just at the point where people like the Daily Mail and Susan Greenfield and various people were saying playing violent video games makes people violent when every time there was a school shooting, the Sandy Hook massacre, well, alas... Uh, all too frequent in American schools. But the first thing they do is say, oh, well, he played video games, right? And and the guy who did that had been playing Call of Duty 6, I think it was, that morning. And so, obviously, Call of Duty 6 is the reason why, why he did that. Now, what we wanted to address was at that time, for example, Call of Duty, I think it sold something like 15 million copies. It, it had been played by something like 98% of teenage boys. The penetrance for video games in the US is effectively 100% for teenage boys. I mean, the Daily Mail didn't mention that his favourite game was Dance Dance Revolution, and that didn't seem to have any impact on what he subsequently decided to do. So what we did is we we set, we set out to actually answer that question, come up with some data. And there's a big database of hundreds of thousands of different aspects of people's lives based in Bristol called the called Alspac, Children of the 90s it is. So from birth, children were recording everything that they were doing. And we went to the database and said, do you have any data on video games and violence? And, and they came back and said, well, we've got a database of about six to 8,000 points for video games and violence. Is that going to be of any use? And we were like, yes, I think that's going to work quite well for us. Well, given um, that most of these studies were with like 100 people previously. Exactly. Now, the thing about the, the Children of the 90s project is that they are it's a prospective study. So they accumulate all of the data and then you can go into it and ask all sorts of questions. Now, because it's prospective, you can't design the study. So part of my role in writing this paper was to work out what games they were playing based on when the data was acquired. They said, I play for 10 hours a week and I play competitive games or I play first person shooters. And so I had to go away and work out what games were released in that 18 month period, which was great fun because it was like (laughs) GTA 3 and Carmageddon. Anyway, 
We did the analysis. There were four categories, which were didn't play games, do play games, play slightly violent games, and play violent games. They, they had to define those games themselves in those categories. And, and you didn't have a category that was people who play violent games, but they turn their characters into babies, which is a niche. <laughs> well, many of us. We, we meet up once a month on the internet. <laughs> so this was people playing games aged 10 and then comparing it to whether they displayed either depression or conduct disorder when they were 16. Right. And what we found was, in answer to your question, Ellie, was fairly inconclusive. Because <laughs> that's, oh, that's how science <laughs> really works. And, and what we found, in fact, was that there was a closer association between people who didn't play video games and conduct disorder than there was for people who played violent video games. But it was weak. It was a weak correlation. So one interpretation of that was that playing games actually has a protective effect. There was no correlation between depression and any game playing at all. Now, we were so cautious about this when it was published. It came with a press release and, and we listed the things that this, this study did not say because we felt we were part of a movement trying to clarify these sorts of things in the press. And I think we were overcautious because what happened was nobody cared. Right? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> nobody wrote it up. We were like, hey, we've done this amazing, huge data set, really, really rigorous study. And we've got these results and they're worth talking about. And they're like, nope. Believe it or not, I read the abstract. And is there a thing about, or have I misread this? I'm not actually a doctor. The competition in games is at least as much of an issue as violence. So it's not about whether or not you're playing a violent game, it's whether or not you're playing a competitive game. Is that right? Yes, there's definitely an, an element to that. It's really difficult to separate out cause and correlation in these types of conversations, right? So, it, and, and in these types of studies, are people who are predisposed to violence more likely to play violent video games? Well, mm. the answer to that is probably yes. But is it causative that playing video games is more likely to make you violent? Well, the answer to that is almost certainly no. And that's because of the known penetrance of video games in the market, right? Because violence and school shootings are statistical anomalies, whereas playing violent video games is almost universal. So it yeah, seems so like if it, did, if it was a causation thing, then there would be a lot more violence in society now that video games are played more, right? Oh, like you and be... I would be punching each other in the face right now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> or, or probably in the balls to be like Johnny, Johnny Cage style. <laughs> Johnny Cage wins. Babality. I remember there was a study just this week where um, some Oxford people had done a study using actual data from game servers. So rather than self-reported, I play this game for this much, they actually took the data from servers. And the headlines were, video games benefit your mental health. If you play more video games, then you're happier. And literally, you look at the study, and one of the first things it says is, we're careful not to say that this is a causative thing, that video games makes you happier, but here's the correlation. Like, literally, the first sentence of it is, we're not saying video games make you happier. And all the headlines were, video games make you happier. One of the big problems with it is, what do you mean when you say video games? Right? Like, True, are, are we yeah. talking about playing Tetris on my phone or are you talking about playing GTA San Andreas? There's such a range. We bunch all of these things together and say video games because they're on screen and they're interactive, but they're completely different things. It, it's a grouping which makes no sort of coherent sense. My partner, like you, Adam, is quite into violent games and horror movies and stuff. And, um, I remember a conversation a few years ago where he was going, oh, well, you know, I, I feel like, you know, if there was somebody who had violent tendencies and maybe games would stop them from doing violent things in real life. And at the time I went, yeah, maybe. And then about a year later, I thought, hang on a minute, you play a lot of violent video games. <laughs> <laughs> what would you be doing yeah. if you weren't? Nothing. I just not think about that. I'm just gonna... <laughs> what are you going to do when the batteries on your Game Boy run out? Hide the knives. <laughs> 
it's the same sort of cultural scares that we have every few years with anything that old people don't understand and that young people are doing a lot. Because it was it was Fortnite about a year ago, wasn't it? Oh God, I, is this dangerous and terrible? Was the I general? Could, I had a go on Fortnite. Vibe. And I don't think my brain works fast enough to actually enjoy it at all. It was just like, well, I'm not going to do this. This is a ridiculous waste of time. But, you know. <laughs> it's for it the kids. Vi- it's not for us, Adam. We have to accept Exactly. It, it yeah. was video nasties in the 80s. Um, I was rung up just this week and asked about possibly going on Good Morning Britain to argue with Piers Morgan about loot boxes. Oh, Christ. Uh, that's what the a new, disaster. What, what, what a fun way to spend a morning. <laughs> Shout out here to Pete Etchells, who's the senior author on that paper. He is doing a big study on, on the effect of loot boxes in gaming culture and he's and he needs contributors to contribute to be part of that study so if any of your listeners are out there and they do play games with loot boxes because i didn't know what a loot box was until he explained it i to was gonna me. say we, we should probably yeah. clarify what a loot box is so that's that's Some when you dot to you are <laughs> um, loot boxes are when you pay money in a game but you don't pay money to like buy this hat or buy this cape or buy whatever for your character you buy money for a chance are getting a random thing right so in fifa and fifa ultimate team you buy a loot box a pack and it gives you like a ching, and you get a player and you might get a really rare one maybe or you might get a rubbish one and the controversy over them is that they're like a gateway to gambling because of the random chance element i'm actually behind this i don't think loot boxes are good i think they're manipulative and bad and i think oh like, god i thought i thought we were going to disagree then i no. was going to be all like well actually kessa i do have a problem with loot boxes no, and you were going to be like hey bad. man just chill out it's just video games <laughs> no, dude but no annoyingly dude, we're on the same side games. of the argument how depressing yeah i oh, wouldn't even get to have a punch up over it Sonia. Wins. You shouldn't be asking children to spend their pocket money on a chance of getting Ronaldo. Like, that's bullshit. People say, like, oh, it's no different from buying Kinder Eggs or Panini stickers or whatever. And yet, to an extent, no, it's 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 not that different. But it's also, like, it's more manipulative in the brain when it's in a game, I think, because it's, like, all the flashing and brrr and the kind of the instant reward, the dopamine. It's different from, like, buying a pack of stickers. And also, fundamentally, in a game, you, you can spend so much more money than you could on physical things. Like, if you bought as much... Like, I have a, I have a friend who has spent, he reckons, probably three grand on FIFA Ultimate Team Packs. Like, you'd have to wow. go some to spend three grand on Pokemon cards. I think the potential harm is that you might get children into actual gambling, and I think that's probably not worth it, video game designers. It's just not necessary, and it's not a good look, I don't think, for the game's business. Well, think, what do you think, Adam? Would you think... let your son have loot boxes? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, he's pretty good about not, not playing... Well, ga- games that have in-app purchases within them. I mean, Battlefront 2 was criticised mm. heavily for having lots of in-game purchases. We haven't done any of them. And I don't know whether that's restraint or fear on his part. They are pernicious and they are anti the spirit of, of gaming. Yeah, it's supposed and to be so, meritocracy gaming. It's supposed well, to be yeah, one absolutely. space in which you try hard and you do the right thing and everything falls in your favour. Like, that's kind of... That's, yeah. that's, the, the, the rules are what make it fun. Like, if you just add in random... Oh, here we go. You and your rules. <laughs> I think as well... I mean, I think the rules thing is a, is a really good point. If you're playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey and rather than playing the game and acquiring skills and, and acquiring weapons or, or or whatever that you can actually just buy a pack and and you get that well what's what you're not you're not really engaging with the point of the game by doing that and i think that's that's a disappointing evolution in 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 gaming history why not just remove that like there's no need games didn't used to have this like there's no need i mean the reason is because it makes a fortune like 
FIFA Ultimate team packs make hundreds of billions, possibly, like just a lot of money because they're quite addictive. And it's the same as that free to play mobile game thing where you'll get 95% of players will never ever pay any money, but then that 5% will end up paying thousands. It is interesting because lots of governments across the world are now holding consultations on this. They've been banned in Belgium and a couple of other EU countries. So I do think that's probably going to be consigned to history at some point. It's just it's a bad optic, apart from anything else. I would just rather pay. Especially given that games, I'm thinking mostly on mobile, you know, on, on smartphones and iPhones and stuff, that I, I would just rather pay because, they're, they're, you know, most games are about two ninety nine. I would exactly. much rather pay than have in-app purchases. I, I want to speak up here for the people like myself who do play free-to-play games on the phone and take a great personal pride in never spending a penny on the game. <laughs> there are ways to do like free play games, right? Like Fortnite does it really well. You play the game all you like. If you want to earn the cool doodads, then you pay eight ninety nine for your battle pass. Like that's fair. I live this. This is my life. I've got a nine year old son. Yes, yeah, eight ninety nine for your battle pass. But then the Captain America skin True, comes yes, out, that then costs and more. all the kids at school have got it, and all of that. And I but don't then, honestly really but, know the answer. But wouldn't it be worse if he wanted the Captain America costume and you had to keep spending a tenner for a go at getting it? Instead of just buying the stupid thing for her. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that would be much I worse, agree. right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, damn it. I think we've, we've, solved, we've solved loot boxes. We've solved, <laughs> yeah, we've fixed it. We've done Get it. Rid of them. I think persuading my wife that gaming was a valuable thing to do has been really useful for us as a family because we do it together. So he will, hmm. Jake will play all, all the time on, on his own, but I will go and play with him, which is often involves me just watching him. We do, uh, we do some, some family friendly games like overcooked is one that we play oh yeah all together and in fact i think maybe a certain kez mcdonald recommended that to me when we first <laughs> I got the, that to everyone i even pass in the street my six-year-old does quite a good impression of the onion king in that and she does it quite <laughs> often going around going we're playing we're playing um worms is it armageddon or is it apocalypse i don't know it's one of the worms games which i think hasn't changed since so all you know my earlier story about ruining that 486 in the lab in in the mid 90s (laughs) we did it we did install worms on that computer successfully And you didn't learn your lesson, in summary. No, Did you no. do any science at all in this <laughs> no. period? There was a lot of period of, of like setting up experiments and then waiting for four hours for them to, to, to work, during <laughs> which time you could either go to the library and read some papers or play yeah. with the concrete donkey. And... <laughs> is that a euphemism? <laughs> no, there's a concrete donkey in Worms. <laughs> Well, Adam, I think we've just about reached the point of the show where we go and get our extra special guest. Uh, we always have a little a little drop-in, a little celebrity drop-in at the end. Do you want to go get them, Ellie? Oh, I always miss it, don't I? Oh, I know, fine. Yeah, so... I'm just going. Come on in. Hello! <laughs> Hi! Good day to you! Good to meet you, sir! <laughs> Who the hell are you? I am a billionaire video game executive, Bruce Take-Two Interactive! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway. All right. So, Bruce, um, we've got Dr. Adam Rutherford here. He's got an idea for a video game. Oh, Come on, Adam. It... Smack my pitch up. <laughs> I'm terrified by this. And there's a, there's a specific reason why I'm terrified by this, because when I do a podcast with a, a mathematician who, who's quite famous called Hannah Fry, right? And we get sent questions by people and they're sciencey questions and we go and investigate them. One of them in the last cu- couple of series ago was about hypnotism. So as part of this, they got a hypnotist in who attempted to hypnotise both of us and it didn't work on Hannah and it did work on me. Now, as part of the test to see if it worked, he did this exact scenario, but for films and basically went, right, I'm Stan Lee. Here's a green light for a billion dollar new Marvel character that I want you to design. 
to be part of the MCU. And it became a minor phenomenon amongst our fans on Curious Cases. But basically, I just went, he's Canadian. (laughs) I like it! (laughs) And he's got a big moustache, and he's got a raccoon's tail, and... He's got very hairy forearms, right? And that was it. That was my superhero. That you had the opportunity (laughs) to create a new Marvel superhero and you came up with Canadian Raccoon Man. And basically my my psyche was so lacking in imagination on that in that moment. Oh my god. I'll I'll say this for you. (laughs) So-called Dr. Adam Rutherford. It's original. I mean, apart from being rubbish, that's also basically a combination of Squirrel Girl and Wolverine. And people started sending in pictures of what what <laughs> Canadian Raccoon Man looked like. Oh no! Including Fan professional arts. artists, right? So a guy who writes for the Phoenix called Neil Cameron drew Canadian Raccoon Man, and I've got it as a as a screensaver now. Does he ride a moose? If you can make him ride a moose, I think we could really sell this in. So is that your game pitch? Well, I, I think that Dr. Quake Marks, Adam Rutherford. I think I have to remain true to my my original creative vision that came from my deep psyche and the brand that I'm trying to build. So I think it is a standalone game for Canadian raccoon mustachioed man who has no particular superpowers apart from having a big moustache. And it's basically How Mario. about this? He shits ham. <laughs> he shits Canadian ham. Like Sonic used to shit gold rings, he excretes uh, processed meat. He rides See, this moose. is... This is what happens when billionaires get involved. They, they, you're, you're obscuring my vision already. You're trying to commercialise it. I had a pure. I'm taking this away. I'm going to make it as an indie game. Fine. Screw you, Go billionaire screw guy. Screw yourself. You're not a real bloody doctor anyway. Uh, Bruce, I'm so sorry. This just I, this doesn't usually happen. Usually, I guess are very professional. No, I don't have to sit here and take this. All right, I'm going back don't. to where are they based? Uh, uh, Marin. Marin. I'm going back to Marin County. California, Immediatamont. Okay. Bye. Adam, you screwed that right up, mate. I'm never uh, going to uh, get him back on the show now. <laughs> He's insulted. Guys, what is going on? I just saw Bruce take two interactive. He's absolutely furious. He just smashed the shit out of reception downstairs. Oh my God, he's He's setting fire to the desk. It's Dr. Adam Rutherford's fault. It's not me for a change. Adam, what did you do? What I did is I retained my creative integrity and didn't sell out to big business. I'm telling you, people are going to be cosplaying this soon at Comic-Con next (laughs) year. Look, there's already fan art, man. You're halfway there to make an indie game. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what he does. Oh. He has no superpowers and I have no concept of what the game could be. I mean, Mario's only superpower is his moustache, really, so I don't think you're that far off. <laughs> He's got a really big bushy tail, like Squirrel Girl. Well, but... like Mario, though. Like Mario with Mario his raccoon tail. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you only just realised that. Pitched Mario. The, the lack of imagination <laughs> in my head, revealed by hypnosis, is terrifying. Adam, guess what? It's time for the quickfire round. This is the round in which we ask you a series of really quick questions and then judge you based on your answers. Sound good? Here we go. Sonic or Mario? Sonic. No! Uncharted or Tomb Raider? Which Tomb Raider? As a series. Mm, I did like Uncharted and we've done all four of them. I'm going to go with Tomb Raider, definitely. Completist or can't be asked? Oh, that's very game specific. First game I ever finished was Resident Evil 2, and I'm mostly a can't be asked. Marvel vs. Capcom or Mortal Kombat? Obviously, Mortal Kombat. Invert the y axis or. Me, a normal person. (laughs) 
No, I'm not a monster. I don't know why anyone would do that. Warrior or wizard? Uh, wizard. Sword or axe? Uh, axe. Sniper or shotgun? Sniper. Because of the balls thing, right? Here's <laughs> <laughs> my last one. A really amazing, precise headshot from like half a kilometre away. Or incredibly powerful close-range shotgun blast that blows the balls clean off and then they roll down a hill. I I've never seen the second scenario in a game, <laughs> but would quite like to. I thought you were asking him to choose which one he'd rather have happen to him. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'd go with the, I'd go with the sniper shed shot for that. Yeah, what are you doing later? <laughs> we come to the I end i think we may have we may have reached the end so adam here's the thing right um we're supposed to end the podcast with one of us saying oh i can't even say it now because we're supposed to say game over because it's a games podcast and people think it's 1995 and that's still a thing and um, we can't bring ourselves to so we'd like to ask you our guests to end the podcast by saying game over in the style of your choice if you need to stab yourself in the thigh with a pen at the same time that's fine can I offer a variant on that based on my love of Mortal Kombat? And instead of saying game over, can I say... Flawless victory. Oh. And the other one, which is even better, <laughs> though, is... You weak, pathetic fool. <laughs> that's quality. Excellent. <laughs> that's, that's the campest thing I've ever heard about Mortal Kombat. That's amazing. Well, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. So-called doctor, Adam Rutherford. <laughs> Thank you so much, Adam. <laughs> my pleasure, my pleasure. This has been Extra Life. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Extra Life Pod. Extra, Extra Life. With Ellie Gibson, Gibson and Kaz McDonald. Produced by Joel Marks. Assistant producer, Alex Hart. Music by Wayne Shepherd. Extra Life is a great big owl production for Audi. Be balloting. We've had some complaints from the various video game executives featured on this show, um, and we'd like to just make absolutely clear that uh, Ellie's voices do not represent the actual views of uh, any of the corporations mentioned. Oh, spoil sport. <laughs> I'm Mason Lane. I'm a journalist, but like everyone else now, I'm also a podcaster too. So I've combined this unique skill into a new series called Cold Case Crime Cuts, a true crime podcast that investigates some of the coldest, truest crimes of ever. Who really shot the sheriff? Just how smooth was that criminal? And why was he, she, or they hairless? And just who shot who at the Copacabana, the hottest bar north of Havana? Eight mysteries told in song and solved in story. Stories that sing, or have been sung, in song. Listen out for them. Maybe before you listen to this. Stories. This is Cold Case Crime Cuts.